From Pennsylvania to New York, there have been tons of allegations thrown at members of the Roman Catholic Church, with numbers of cases being over the thousand mark. Hello, I am Dominic and this is Nate, and today we will be talking about Christianity. A good majority of those allegations are just that, allegations, so we don't want to assume anything. Priests across the country have been accused of sexual assault and most have either resigned or been fired. An example is Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, who was talked about by one of his colleagues who believed that Cardinal McCarrick was resigning only because he was being forced to, not because he was accepting responsibility. This all seems to have started when a priest in Louisiana came forward and admitted to 11 counts of molestation on boys. It soon became clear that many of these were not just allegations, though, and afterward became a nationwide scandal. This soon became an international scandal, as the reports in the U.S. encouraged those in other countries to come forward. Alright, so we, here with us we have our guest speaker, Christopher Haberman. He is the pastor of the Church of the Resurrection here in Sioux Falls. So Christopher, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, So I understand that you were a teacher. Like, What kind of made you want to leave that in order to pursue this? Yeah. Um, so I was a teacher at Patrick Henry Middle School here in Sioux Falls, and uh, I really liked doing what I was doing. I really enjoyed working with 7th grade students. Uh, I coached a couple sports. Um, I had been doing that for a number of years, and um, so I didn't feel like I wanted to leave that job. It was more that I felt God calling me to, to something else. All right. Okay, Christopher. Well, you had to go to seminary school to become a pastor. What was that like? Yeah, that was um, that was pretty hard for me. I had gone to a lot of school, and I remember when I graduated from college, after my first four years of, of college, I got my bachelor's degree, I remember thinking to myself, I never want to go back to school. Um, I love to learn, but just the constant deadlines and pressure uh, of college, is it's pretty intense. I mean, you're there to just learn. And, um, and that is beautiful. I love to learn. Um, but uh, I found myself going back just a few years after college and getting a master's degree in teaching. Um, and then, uh, as I felt called to ministry, I knew that I would have to attend seminary, um, which is a three-year master's degree. Um, I looked at different seminaries. I ended up here at Sioux Falls Seminary in Sioux Falls. And um, it was really a wonderful time in many ways that uh, I would tell people there's nothing better than devoting my t- than being than having the uh, luxury of devoting my time to um, studying the Word of God and how God has revealed Himself to us, um, but it was also uh, it was it was pretty rigorous. Um, part of that was the pressure I put on myself. Uh, there are people, and I certainly was this way in in certain classes, even in college, um, uh, where I would look at maybe the minimum I could do to still get an A. That was not the approach I had in seminary. Um, in seminary, my approach was I want to learn as much as I can during this time. This is a time where I have have three years set aside to learn everything I can. That's, that's kind of my job. And I felt a responsibility to my future um, people who would attend my church to, to put the work in so I would be able to um, be an authority of sorts. Uh, so when people came with questions, I could say, here's, here's what scripture says about that. So um, also, also as, as someone who had two young children, 
um, it was, a uh, it was hard to step away from work and, um, it wasn't like I could just focus on school. I, I focused, I had to focus also on, on being a husband and also being a dad to uh, wonderful kids. All right. So that kind of leads us into our next question, which is how has uh, becoming a pastor kind of influenced your life and your family? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's totally reoriented my priorities in life. Um, I know in one of your previous questions you asked, you know, you mentioned kind of the, 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 the money side, the financial um, piece uh, is that like, we were doing very well financially at the time that I left my job and walked away from a paycheck. So not only did I walk away from a paycheck, but I spent $60,000 to go to school. So you, you, you take away or you, you take the amount of money that I missed by not working and then add in the money I spent in school. That's a, that's a, you know, I could have gotten a Lamborghini for that kind of money. So you're a pastor at an Anglican church. How does an Anglican church differ from, say, a Catholic church or a Lutheran church? Yeah. Um, so any any Christian church would be similar in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, I was raised in the Methodist church, the United Methodist Church. My dad is still a United Methodist pastor. And um, so I find, found myself on the Protestant side of things. So not on the Catholic side. And as I kind of just looked at history and um, the way that the de denominations have split and things like that, I found myself in the Anglican tradition um, because I felt like it was a, a very good, um, uh, had, uh, it was very faithful to kind of the church as uh, that Jesus founded. Um, the church, Jesus founded a church that was passed on throughout the generations. And um, throughout the Middle Ages, um, it kind of strayed from what it ought to have been. And there came this time in the 15th century called the Reform. I'm sorry, the 16th century called the Reformation. And during the Protestant Reformation, um, that's where all these other churches sprouted up. Um, the Lutherans and um, the Presbyterians and, and, and various other churches. Um, Methodists didn't come around yet. And many other denominations didn't, didn't come around yet. But that was kind of the beginning of up until um, uh, the 11th century, there was just one church and there was the great schism in the 11th century and there became the Eastern church and the what and the, and the Western church, the Orthodox church and the, and the Roman Catholic church. Um, and as the Roman Catholic church, that was the church in the West as they kind of um, fell into uh, a church that did things like basically charge people uh, money to go to heaven that was called an indulgence, and they strayed from what the Bible taught, um, and and the, the power of the Pope kind of rose up. Um, the church in England was was a church that sought to um, correct itself um, from the abuses of Rome, while also being faithful to the original church. And so, um, in that sense, we're very similar to the Catholic Church in that um, we have bishops and we have priests and we have deacons. Just, uh, we're very similar, but we've eliminated those things that, which aren't biblical. So in terms of the allegations put forward to the priests of the Roman Catholic Church, how do you think the cover-up of the allegations have kind of led to like a loss of faith in the church? As an institution? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
Uh, yeah, um, every church should take steps necessary to make sure that people are safe there. I think, you know, that that is the important thing is that um, as, even just as far as practices, um, if I meet one on one with people, um, I make sure that it's in a public place um, where it would be totally inappropriate for me to go visit someone in their home. Um, not because I don't think I'm trustworthy, but I don't want to even someone to be able to accuse me of any any wrongdoing, if that makes sense. Where I can be like, it, I couldn't have done anything wrong. We met at Starbucks. You know, there's so um, I guess maybe that's not necessarily on topic, but you, you kind of asked about the um, the cover up. It's it's really truly sad because if there's any place uh, a person should be safe, it's in a church. And so that's what is most disappointing for, for people who love the church. And I have a lot of Roman Catholic friends who are really, really disappointed in their leaders, in their bishops, for not making sure that people are safe. So people have been abused, and then they see that their abusers are, are being able to continue as pastors or as priests, and they abuse other people, which is, is very... It's hard enough to endure uh, sexual abuse, but then to know that that hurt that abuser is hurting other people is even even harder. And um, so, knowing that there there are bishops that found out that their priests that basically worked for them, that worked underneath them, that they were responsible for, were abusing and didn't do anything, heard about it and didn't do anything about it, is a tremendous disappointment to me and to and to everyone in the Roman Catholic Church. All right. Thank you for coming on to the podcast with us today. You were a big help in making a bit more sense of this issue. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Anytime. I'm excited for episode two.